Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. One of the current topics they talk, we listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of a head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. The second week of this look back series, and I will be talking to two formidable women. The first, and I do urge you to listen to this episode in full, is with Professor Sue Black. She is a remarkable woman. She has a remarkable story um, of triumph over adversity and thriving in the process. An amazing story, an episode title um, is called The Technology Activist and Evangelist and her preservation and inclusion drive. Listen to this snippet. Uh, they said to me, well, why are you here? So I said, oh, I'm here representing this group of women in computing. And they said, oh, did you know that more than half the people that worked here were women? So I was like, no, I, I didn't know that. Um, and like I just said, I, I thought it was, for some reason, I thought it was 50 old blokes, um, maybe from something I'd seen on TV, I'm not sure. Um, so I said, oh, that, no, that's amazing. I didn't know that. How many people worked here? And they said more than 10,000. So, so at that point, I was completely blown away. You know, I'm, I'm really interested in, uh, in sort of the history of technology, uh, but also stuff like cryptography and, and, you know, also kind of just a general world history. Uh, and was amazed to find out that, that 10,000 people had worked uh, in this place that I'd only kind of vaguely heard of um, during the whole six years of the second world war um that more than half of them were women it turns out it was about 80 percent women so about eight thousand women had worked there and i didn't know anything about it so i was completely intrigued i went away that time uh from that visit to bletchley park having just kind of found out all of that information um keen to create an, an oral history project so to record the memories of the women that worked there because i just felt that their story wasn't heard at all um and so did that got some funding uh run an oral history project so interviewed 15 of the women that worked there and then the launch of that project um found out that actually bletchley park itself so it so it was uh, and still is a museum uh, but bletchley park itself then was in the words of the director teetering on a financial knife edge so he was really worried that bletchley park itself the site where all the code breaking happened was going to have to close um, and then a few weeks after that, I was invited up to a reception at Bletchley Park and at the reception did a proper tour for the first time. So I'd not done a proper tour before um, and went around, took about an hour, went around the site with one of the veterans. So one of the guys that had worked there during the Second World War. Um, and he was telling us about all these individual code breaking achievements in different buildings, um, you know, and all, all kind of like very exciting stories of what had happened there during the war. And then at the end, we stood kind of looking at one of the huts, hut six, which was, it looked very dilapidated. It had a blue tarpaulin over one end. It looked about like it was about to fall down. Um, he just told us about all these code breaking achievements that happened in that particular hut. And then he said, then the, the work that was done here was said to have shortened World War II by two years. And at that time, 11 million people a year were dying. So potentially the work done here saved 22 million lives. Mm -hmm. And I just thought to myself, 
this place can't close. I must do something about it. And so basically from there started a campaign. So at that point I was head of a computer science department at the University of Westminster. I emailed all the heads and professors of computing in the country. So you told them the story, said we've got to say Bletchley Park, um, got a letter into the Times newspaper signed by all of us and um, set up a blog, got the BBC interested, got on BBC News uh, in the UK. We were like on the front page of the BBC website. So that was back in July 2008. Mm -hmm. So got quite a lot of publicity quite quickly. Um, a couple of code breakers got in touch, which was amazing. Various people got in touch. But in terms of what actually happened for Bletchley Park, nothing much changed, right? People knew the story, but, but nothing really changed. Um, and so it wasn't really until the end of that year, so the end of 2008, I started using Twitter and quite quickly realised that just by typing Bletchley Park into the search box in Twitter, I could find anyone in the world on Twitter who was already talking about Bletchley Park and I could have a chat with them and say, you know, did you know the situation? Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, so I started a blog kind of detailing what I was doing in the campaign uh, through Twitter, started meeting more and more people that, that wanted to help with the campaign. Um, got people like Stephen Fry, who's known in the UK as a national treasure. And at that time was the most, had the most Twitter, Twitter followers of anyone in the UK. Mm -hmm. So um, got him involved uh, through Twitter again. And, and basically through using social media to reach a massive audience of people uh, that cared about Bletchley Park, ran a campaign for three years in the end. So 2008 to 2011. Um, and eventually in 2011, got Google involved as well. So they helped out and um, Bletchley Park received 4.1 million pounds from the Heritage Lottery mm -hmm. Fund in the UK, which along with match funding came to about 6 million, which they could then use to, to renovate the site. And then uh, we knew that Bletchley Park would be safe. And so that's three, three, well, that's nearly 20 years in a nutshell, uh, but three years of the campaign. Um, the whole story is in my book, uh, Saving Bletchley Park, which you can get from Amazon. <laughs> yes, and um, I think you broke all records in terms of becoming the fastest crowdfunded, crowdfunded. book. Yeah, absolutely. So, so when we crowdfunded the book, which I think was 2016, yes. uh, might be 2015, I can't remember, um, yeah, so, so we crowdfunded the book in the shortest time ever. So at that time, that's uh, it was the record breaker. Yes, <laughs> code breaking and record breaking. The next guest from this Look Back series is with Maggie Berry OBE, the then executive director for Europe, uh, We Connect International. And incidentally, this was my very first episode recording on Heads Talk. So forgive the woodenness. Hopefully I have improved somewhat since this recording nearly three years ago. Maggie talked about including female SMEs into some of the opportunities when large corporations put tender together and put out tenders for organizations to bid on this. A very important topic um, and it was well presented by Maggie. So have a listen. It's all about encouraging big business to buy more products and services from, um, from diverse owned businesses, including women owned businesses. And what I really want people to know is about the importance of buying from women owned businesses all around the world, the importance of the role that multinational corporations play in supply chains, building the growth and development of women owned businesses, and really 
about the fact that there are just so many amazing women-owned businesses out there and we want to shine a spotlight on them and show everybody, you know, the businesses they're running, the successes they're having, the amazing ways that they run their teams. And so everything that I do in my day-to-day, my work life and my day-to-day is, is a, you know, is focused in and around championing women-owned businesses, women in business, uh, and certainly and some of the, the women in tech stuff as well. So that, that pretty much was the, the vision behind We Connect International. But you've been the executive director since 2012. Um, how have you helped to shape that organisation? Yeah, I joined We Connect International here in Europe at the end of uh, 2012. Um, it was the first time that they were hiring a full-time person to come on board. So um, that was a very exciting step for the organisation at that point. And then over the last kind of seven years or so, we've you know, we've expanded out our activities from the, you know from the UK and Ireland into uh, Switzerland and Germany and the Netherlands. And we're we're really hoping that Belgium and France will be coming online very shortly. Um, when I, as I said, when I started, it was, you know, this was the first full-time hire and we now have a, a small team here in Europe, some full-time staff, part-time, as well as freelancers that support, support our activities. Mm-hmm. Um, and really the, the network has grown and expanded, you know, steadily. Um, uh, and also the mix of sectors where the women-owned businesses are running, uh, running their firms has also grown. And I think there's a really healthy mix now you know if, if corporations approach us looking for potential suppliers we we have a really good range of women-owned businesses that we can we can connect them to in europe's within the we connect international organization globally mm-hmm. you're a busy region so we're, we're often pushing ahead at the forefront and then sharing you know what we're doing you know with colleagues around the world but but likewise i mean i look at what our colleagues in other regions like in latin america or in you know mm-hmm. are doing so that we can we can essentially replicate you know good stuff that's happening happening everywhere and a lot I would say comes from me and my own goals and what we want to do but actually this is very much it's a corporate member organization and we work with these large multinationals and they are also driving this agenda we're led you know by you know their goals and what they want to achieve as well so together this Mm -hmm. has grown and developed over you know over the last seven years or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah we yeah we sort we do know that these large multinationals have um, suppliers that they tend to work with and a lot of these suppliers are these sort of large-scale suppliers that with the, the familiar brand names that we know. Mm. So what do you believe that the women-owned businesses bring to the corporate procurement community that they tend not to readily obtain from some of the established large-scale suppliers? Yeah, great, great question. I mean, SMEs, so small, medium-sized enterprises, they are the backbone of the Europe. You know, 99% of businesses in Europe are, are small, medium-sized enterprises. And actually within within that, women-owned businesses on average maybe make up between 20 and 30% of women-owned businesses across, across Europe. So we are underrepresented in terms of business ownership. But when it comes to um, supply chain, actually many of the women-owned businesses that we work with, they're innovative, they're agile, they're very cost-effective. You know, they don't have big central city offices that, you know, have a lot of costs associated with them. Um, And they often have diverse teams and that brings diverse ways of thinking. Now that concludes this episode of the Look Back series. I hope you enjoyed these snippets and do check out the full original episodes in the show notes.
Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepinkle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.